0: So I want to give you some context, um, because I think sometimes, uh, someone like a pastor will come and say something along the lines where, Hey, we want to have like a God centered marriage or Christ founded marriage or something, uh, or, or parenting, um, in, in regardless of, of what the session is, there's a tendency to say, well, yeah, but how does that help my toddler or yeah. I, I know I wanna follow God, I wanna do it his way, I know there's some stuff in the Bible, but there's this massive gap between what the Bible says, right? And what I'm experiencing on my everyday life. And so I think that's really important for us to step back and say, hey, listen, um, the Bible is not just theoretical, the Bible is not just a place a place we go for one-liners, the Bible is incredibly practical. Okay, so this isn't just Christ-centered parenting. Um, this is, I'm gonna give you one key uh, to a Christ-centered home, okay? So one key to Christ-centered parenting. And the reason why I think there's, it's important to boil it down, and I've, and I've really thought and prayed a lot about this because when you boil it down to one thing, it better be the right thing, right? It, there's no, you gotta hit it. Um, but the reason why I think this is so important is because um, everything stems from this. And uh, in our home as a result of this study over the last couple of months as as we've been preparing for this um, We've instituted two rules that trump all the other rules So at the very end, I'm going to talk about two rules that I instituted with my boys And I wish I would have read this I wish would have heard this before because it simplified everything in our house it's very easy for them to understand and every conversation we have where it's a corrective conversation or hey, that was really good conversation, it all goes back to these two rules and it all goes back to one word, okay? Two rules but one word and it's the word honor. It's the word honor. So today, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you a cross stick for the word honor Um, and uh, this is, um, I can give you, in fact, all of the books that we read, that I read in preparation for this are listed on your resource guide. So, um, so all of the books I'm going to reference. Um, uh, Christ-centered, um, I, I think it's gospel-centered parenting by Paul Tripp. I'll reference um, how to ha- how to have a new kid by Friday. Um, Kevin Lehman, that's one of my favorites. Um, there's a couple other books on that resource packet. Um, how people change changed me, um, and so Paul Paul David Tripp wrote that book as well. And so, um, so we're going to walk through um, this. Uh, acrostic honor. Uh, But before I get into what honor is, we need to talk about why it's important. Okay. Why is honor so important? Well, uh, in Matthew chapter six in verse 33, it says that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Now, here's the crazy thing. The word righteousness there uh, it's Basileo. It literally means, I, I'm sorry, that's sidico. It, But Basileo means to seek, to pa- to passionately pursue. But the, the, the word Siddiq, righteous, uh, it literally is talking about having dignity, honor, integrity. Um, when, when, a, uh, there's about 150,000 Jews within an hour of here and, um, several of the, um, rabbis put out these, these daily emails and I'm, I'm on one of their email lists. And one of the things that it's always talking about is how to be Siddiq, how to be righteous, right? How to honor God. Now, honoring God is something that we could talk about for a long time. I'm not gonna take a lot of time, but really the New Testament sums this up by saying that God is pleased, Colossians 1, 19. It, it pleased the father that in him all the fullness should dwell, Well, what happens when the fullness of God is dwelling? Well, there is peace, verse 20, uh, through the blood of the cross. So we have peace. We're made at peace with God through Jesus's blood. So that's important for us to understand that our relationship with God is the basis for our relationship with others. But then it says, uh, by him to reconcile all things to himself, whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven. So God is going to, create peace and create fullness in heaven, but also in all the things in earth, okay, and that's our families too, through this one principle, and it's found in verse number 18. It says uh, that in all things he, Jesus, God, might have the preeminence. So, when we talk about honoring, we're going to be talking about honoring God, but then we're going to be talking about honoring one another, and we're going to specifically talk about putting God first, seeking first the kingdom. Now, God-first parenting places pr- principles first as the foundation for everything else. So there is psychotherapy parenting that I've studied a lot of, about. Um, there is behavioral modification uh, where, where they teach you classes on just how to basically modify your children's behavior and your behavior and try to ha- have a happier, healthier home. Um, all of those things are dealing with the, salute, with the, with the symptom a God-first principle-based, okay. Even if you, even if you're not a Jesus follower, if you step back and you say, okay, if we have a, if we have a principle-based parenting approach, it will do the things that all of those therapists and and family um, uh, counselors are are trying to help to do. So, trusting God's principles means staying the course, even when it's inconvenient. Some of these things that I'm going to talk about that are that are obviously tied to biblical principles. Are, are really just something that you, the ups and the downs are going to come and and we have to open our hearts to say we're going to trust you when it's working and when we are not sure if it's working. Um, and Matthew 6 really talks a lot about this. I'm not going to read all the verses. I put them in your notes. I would encourage you anytime a verse is mentioned, um, I would encourage you just to go um, look it up. Matthew 6, uh, 30 through 32 is the context of seek first the kingdom. And it's talking about how a principle based, uh, parenting style is really, um, important to de- develop a relationship, not only with God, but also the connection that we need with our children, uh, as well. Now, 82% of Gen Z, which, uh, all of us, I believe are parenting Gen Z by now, um, 82% of Gen Z, um, they believe that there's something wrong with culture, something's broken, but they don't know what it is. So that's the Barner Research Group. And I met with that research team and they, and they, they did 30,000 um, uh, parents. And, and, and they said, hey, can we talk to your children in front of you? And that was one of the things that came They can't put their finger on it, but they know there's something wrong. Well, I wanna tell you that we know what's wrong with our culture, with our society. And the reality is, there are lots of different things we're loving. There's lots of different things we're prioritizing, okay? And without realizing it or knowing it or, or, or whatever, those things are at odds with one another. So if you prioritize, if you put, if you put a, a bowl of candy on your table and you put a bowl of broccoli on your table, you, you're obviously, if you have kids, they're not going for the broccoli. Now, if you have kids that go for the broccoli, good on you, okay? But, but most kids are going to gravitate to what they want, not necessarily what they need. And I think it's important for us to step back and say, okay, culture knows there's a need. They just don't know how to fill it. And the need was created by multiple priorities. Culture has been saying for a long time, love yourself. Like just, just love yourself. And you put you first and everything else will fall into place. And It creates frustration and I was there. I mean, I was a 17 year old kid who was who was doubting everything about my faith um, because I tried putting me first and it just brought more frustration a God first parenting style is saying we're gonna seek God first. We're gonna love God first Matthew 22 uh, 37 says when we love God with all of our heart soul and mind This is the first and great commandment. There's no other commandment. That's greater than this the second Is like it when it says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. All of the law, all of the rules, there's 613 uh, rules in the Bible, all of those can be summed up in those two. Love God and love others. Now we're talking about honoring. And honoring goes a step further. Honoring says, I'm not just going to love you, I'm going to respect you. Okay? Honor has love and respect tied together. And I put a few verses in your notes about the new commandment, Jesus said, was it new? It was, it was new to them. They were loving without respecting in that culture. Um, and so he said, hey, this is going to be new to you guys, but, but love and respect can't be separate. In fact, here's a key thought. Uh, respect without love is superficial. It's, it's empty. It's, it's unauthentic. Because true love can only be given with honor and respect. You say, well, I thought honor was respect. Well, th- there's, there's two different types of words there. The word respect means to give um, admiration, uh, deference, to esteem, to regard. But honor is not something you do. It's something you have. Okay? Please remember that because I think that's where uh, it really kind of clicked the last few months for me. Oh, wait a second. Honor is something you have. You're either robbing honor from something or someone or you're giving honor. You can give it away. Something you can give. It's something that you have. But respect is the action uh, by which you are filling up someone's um, honor tank, if you will, if you can use that, okay? Here's a better analogy. If I walked up to um, Hiro, and, and I walked up to him, and I had a ski mask on, and, I had, a, and I, I had a knife or some type of weapon, and I robbed him of all the money he has in his pocket, okay? Which, you know, may, maybe five bucks, right? Okay, so I'm getting five bucks out of Hiro. I have taken something that belonged to him and now I have taken it by force and now it belongs to me. Okay. When that happens, Hiro is going to make a choice. Hiro is probably going to choose to press charges against me. I'm going to stand before a judge and the judge is going to ask this question, you know, what happened? And if I have a lawyer, the lawyer is going to say, well, you know, he was in a bad spot and he was, you know, struggling and, and his mental health wasn't right, or whatever. But at the end of the day, there was a security camera and they saw me rob Hiro. And they're gonna say, the first thing they're probably gonna say is you need to give it back. You need to get his money back. If I heard Hiro, I'm probably gonna do time. Why? Because I am a, a risk to other people, right? Now, I have two boys. They're nine and 12. And I will tell you that a lot of the mistakes that I've made, which I'm going to just lay open bare in the next 20 minutes, okay? So, you you can learn from some of my mistakes. A lot of those mistakes were, I, I was I'm, I'm the referee. You're the referee as a parent, right? Um, but a lot of times, I was acting as if, as if, I could, one, one person took something from another, okay? And literally, they take stuff and, and, and the other person says, okay, I believe that because they took that from me, I can take something from them, right? Vengeance. Or uh, this happened just recently um, where they had two of the same thing. They looked identical, but somehow they knew them apart. Have you ever had that? They're, they're like, no, that's mine. No, that's mine. So then we had a friend come over in our neighborhood and the friend was like, uh, you know, walked away with the, it was, there were two watches, walked with the watch and he's like, that was my watch. And Chandler's like, that wasn't your watch, that was my watch. So now that it was outside of the family, now we had a, now we had a, a situation where we had to you know, deal with that. The reason why I'm using that illustration is because repaying someone, that, something of value that belongs to someone else or doing community service or, or whatever the judge is going to offer in that is a corrective behavior. That's why they call it corrections. When, when something happens in a home, regardless of what it is, it is robbing the home of honor, of dignity, of value. So when, when my boys drop trash on the floor, I no longer say, pick it up. I now say, hey, we want to honor our mother and our home. And they know what to do. I want to tie it back to a value and the value's honor. I'm going to show you how to do that uh, over the next few minutes, okay? Um, So when everything is said and done in parenting, uh, something will either increase or decrease the value of a relationship. So Christ-centered parenting places the priority on honor over everything else. And let me give you a verse for that, Deuteronomy 5 and verse number 16. It says, Honor thy father and mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. So, It says, honor, honor thy father and mother. That's the command. So the one thing that God's going to tell kids and parents to teach their kids is to honor. (laughs) That's the one command. And I think it's important for us to know what that is. So there's five principles uh, that coordinate with the five letters uh, here on the screen. I want to give you the first one, and that's humility. So humility is the only window we have in parenting to really see what reality is. Until I humble myself, I'm not going to really see what type of parent I am. Now, let me tell you that every time I read a book or do any study about parenting, I always feel like a loser. (laughs) I'm always like, oh, I have so much to work on. And I'm going to talk about what to do when we're staring at the mountain of stuff we need to do differently. Okay, because I've been staring at that mountain for a while thinking about it. Okay, I'm going to give you a verse at the very end of this that I hope will be an encouragement to you. But 1 Peter 5 and verse number... Uh, 1 Peter 5 and verse 5 says that when we, that God resists the proud, he works against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so we're to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt us in due time. Um, Cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. So the whole context of casting your cares upon him, which listen, if you're a parent, uh, how many of you are parenting um, a child under nine? Okay, under nine. So most of you in this room, and I will tell you that, that that is the, I mean, you are in, you are in go time right now and you cannot see a clear perspective of what to do or how to change or what to do differently without humility. And so here's how, here's how you develop humility. Um, I want to use an illustration. I was sitting in church a few years ago. In fact, it was five or six years ago it was before we started New Life. And I was sitting there and Camden had to use the restroom. And so he left. But when he left, I didn't realize that he had all of this stuff, all of these papers and paper clips and all these things and all of this. Literally, it, it was, looked like trash, but it was stuff he was trying to make. And he had taken his pen apart and his whole pile of stuff that he put on the chair in front of him. Well, he and Danielle went to the restroom, okay, and the songs are done. And, and this guy goes to turn around and he looks and there's this pile of stuff on his chair. And he looks at me and he looks at the pile and he looks at me and he's like, you know, not seeing a kid, not realizing that my kid would go to the restroom. And I was like, oh, sorry. And I was trying to pick it up, but the, have you ever been kind of like doing, trying to do something fast? And the more I was picking it up, the more I was like spilling it all over and it was making a, a giant mess. And uh, he was getting so frustrated and I was getting kind of flustered and and, and finally, I just kind of scooted it off and I was like, sit down. You know, like, like, and Camden came back and I was a little frustrated with Camden. Like, you put your mess on that guy's seat and I had to deal with it. Well, let me tell you what humility is. Humility is owning our mess. Saying, you know what? That mess belongs to me. In parenting, it's really easy to say, well, if my kids were a little bit more loving or my kids were a little bit more, a little less hyper or if my kids were this or that. The reality is, God has given us a wonderful privilege. And until we realize that the buck stops with us, we will not change. And listen, guys, I've made excuses for a long time. But this this word honor, there's no excuse. There's no excuse for me. And so... Most of the time, this is Kevin Lehman saying this, okay? And I put his name next to it because, and I wanted to make sure this was exactly what he said. Most of the time, parents are the problem. <laughs> uh, that was hard for me to hear. Maybe not for you, but it was for me. Uh, parents are the problem. So if we have a problem with our kids, we're the problem. But there's good news. Parents are also the solution as well. Parents are the key to changing their children's thoughts and actions. And you say, well, what about my kid? My kids have decisions. I mean, they can they can do stuff without me knowing, you know, especially adult parents. Listen, the reason why I asked how many how many people have kids under 9? Kids under 9 are still developing how they're thinking about their life. On Sunday I'm going to talk about how our belief is connected to our behavior and our relationships. Sometimes my boys believe that Danielle is like the person who's supposed to pick up everything in our house, okay? That's a false belief. <laughs> so, so until that belief changes, their behavior won't change. And so I think it's important for us as parents to believe hey, we're in the cockpit, we're in the driver's seat. God's given us uh, the tools that we need to go ahead and shape and change um, the way we're viewing our kids and the way they view the, the kids are viewing our relationship with them. Uh, recognizing parental deficiencies uh, can be a humbling and difficult process, but is really the only way forward. So I want to give you a practical action item. And, and you're not gonna be, don't do all of these things right at first but do do one of these things as the Lord puts it on your heart each week uh, following this take an inventory and and, and I did this um, uh, just a few weeks ago and it was a really big help to me um, businesses do this and I had a I had a mentor of mine say hey listen you do it for your business you should do it for your family um, take an inventory of your parenting and begin to pray over your strengths this is called the SWOT analysis some of you in business probably have done this for your company um, your strengths, that's what you would do without thinking. That's just what comes natural, okay? You say, well, what? That's my strength? No, that is your, your strength is what you do instinctively. That's a strength, okay? What you have to work at, that's a weakness. Something that you is really, it, it, you feel like you're going against the grain. So strength, strengths, weaknesses, uh, what you don't necessarily want to do, opportunities, areas for potential and growth, and threats where Satan is really, attacking where, where there's an open door and we'll talk about that a little bit as well. So there are um, different areas of our parenting that we need to be humble enough to say, hey, we're going to pop the hood. We're going to kind of look at the back of the panel and see where we're at. Um, parenting styles and types of, of uh, personalities uh, kind of is, is, is a humbling thing to kind of step back and say, you know what? I'm not outgoing, but there's some things I can do. Um, to to really engage in this relationship. And so um, I think that's important. But just regardless, humility, humbling ourselves and saying, hey, I I need this. I I need to develop this mutual respect and love and accountability. Okay? So humility. Number two is ownership. Ownership. So ownership means taking personal responsibility for for the mistakes that are being made. Your, my boys, and the reason why I come back to me is because I hope you can you can find some solace in the fact that I'm I'm working in process with this as well. We're growing together here at New Life. Um, but if, if if I want my boys to own their mistakes, they need to see me owning mine. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it almost feels like it almost feels like you're giving up ground when you say, you know, I made this mistake. And it's, especially when it's a parenting mistake, oh, that's a hard conversation. Because it really feels like they got one over on you. And I've just found that, man, I want them to own where they're deficient. I need to own where I'm deficient as well and, and walk in the light. In fact, that's what 1 John 1 says, that when we walk in the life, we, light, meaning we're bringing things, not hiding our faults and failures, but we're bringing that into the light. We have fellowship one with the other. Now, let me just say something that I think is really important. And that is, if, if there are differing values in the home, it's really hard to take responsibility and ownership. And that's why at New Life, we really teach that uh, if, if, if the home is pulling in the same direction, meaning um, both spouses, both parents, um, even, even if you're co-parenting or, or something like that, but if both parents know who Jesus is, and they're pulling the kids closer to Jesus. It will help. It will help the kids to know, hey, I'm going to own my area. And, and why do you say that? Because Jesus owned our sin on the cross. Uh, and, and and I and I would encourage you to read 1 John one uh, six through nine. Jesus paid the price for our sin, and and so that we would own it. We would confess. In fact, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, forgive us our sins and cleanses from all unrighteousness. So every parent makes mistakes, but our response to those mistakes is the template that our kids will use to how they're going to deal with their mistakes. And so how you're responding to your mistakes is how they, kids do what they see. You know that. They, they, our behavior speaks way louder than our, um, than our words. And so we, if we, if we don't confess our sin, if we're not open in, in the house about where we, if we don't own what we did wrong, um, they won't either. They will make excuses, so on and so forth. Uh, but Proverbs twenty eight says, when we uh, open, when we confess, when we forsake, we have mercy. Um, and so the biggest area that we need to confess is our attitude, because oftentimes as a parent, we feel like we have the right to have a self righteous attitude, like. Like I'm the parent and listen, let me, let me, let me sidebar. You should be the parent. Okay. So, so God has given you that authority, but I think it's important for, for you to say, okay, are my attitudes right here? So attitudes are caught, not taught. Kevin Lehman says, and when we change, if we want to change our child's attitude, we really need to say, how did they learn that from me? Cause they learned their attitude from you. And that's a very, very tough thing to swallow, but um, negative attitudes show uh, through uh, rolling the eyes, stubbornness, poor manners, um, a know it all, whining, whining, um, the, the me syndrome, everything rotates around me, um, defiance, throwing a tantrum, um, you know, not cooperating, all of that uh, comes back to an attitude that they have seen modeled in some way. Um, and so we can either say, wow, they're learning that at school or they learned that. Um, that's on her, their mom's side, you know for sure you know, or their dad's side or whatever. We, we can we can you know try to shift the blame or we can just say, how's my attitude? Okay, so here's an action item. instead of getting angry and threatening our kids, let's try to give confident instruction back by immediate action. So and in, 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 in by the way, this is gonna happen. Tonight or tomorrow, some, they know where your buttons are, they're gonna push them, they're gonna do something where it's like, oh, hold me back, hold me back. And and I, I wanna I wanna help you to, to, to direct that energy away from if you do that one more time, if statements, to action, okay? And I'll talk about what that looks like when we get into consequences, but here let me tell you some big mistakes Here are the the four biggest mistakes. I've talked about this before Um, when giving reproof I've made all of these threatening a child it places control and in the child's hands it devalues instruction when you threaten uh, their fear Response goes in they can't process instruction so by threatening a child you devalue instruction you say well, what if they're putting their finger in a socket? Absolutely. That's not a threat to say if you put your finger in that socket, you're going to be shocked. Okay. <laughs> it's going it's to be. But, but the, the, here's the difference is when you're at the mall or at the store or at church and you say, if you give me that eye one more time, if you give me attitude one more time, no more games for the rest of the week or whatever. Well, th- the problem is that just kind of puts them on. Okay. Let's see. Let's see, now there's a battle. Now you've brought yourself down to their level. Um, And so, threatening, we'll talk a little bit more about this as it goes on. We're gonna build. Manipulation prioritizes um, behavior over belief. Manipulating, kind of tricking kids into doing what we we want them to do, instead of saying, hey, here is the principle, this is why we do what we do. Anger personalizes disobedience and respect. When we get angry, when I get angry, I am personalizing. I have taught you better than that. And now everyone is seeing my lack of teaching, <laughs> right? And so it, it, we take it personal. We take obedience, disobedience personal. Um, guilt, guilt wounds the child in, uh, in order to try to change their behavior. Uh, and I've said these stupid things before and I, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will guide my mouth and we all should pray that. But saying things like, you know, Um, When I was a kid I would have never dreamed of saying one of those things or doing that or you know Well, that's just guilting your child like I'm better than I I'm better than you When I was that age. I mean like why why go there instead? I think it's important for us just to take immediate action. Give instruction Take action. No matter what the emotion is. We say here's the instruction. Hey that attitude There'll be a consequence later. That's not a threat. That's instruction. Hey, your attitude has, has brought, brought a consequence. will come. And then immediate action. Okay? Now, what I do is I have a note in my phone where I write down what it's going to be. And I'm going to give you some of those consequences. But whenever we're out in public or, or wherever, uh, at, at a parent, uh, friend's house or, or you know, whatever, and we can't bring an immediate action there, I can always take out my phone and and write down the consequence and they know if I talk to them and then I write down a consequence, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm putting it in my phone. When we get home, there will be a consequence for that. Uh, Obviously when you're at home, you can give an immediate consequence, but how how should this be done? Well, if it's going to be done within the context of honor, then we need to go into, into what it means to show love or I'm using a word that uh, begins with N, So uh, niceness, Niceness is a biblical command, not just a parenting style or a preference. Um, the, the biblical command is be kind one to another, another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. So should we put boundaries? Can we be stern? Absolutely. Can you be authoritative? Yes. But where it crosses the line into authoritarian is when we are putting um, our, ourselves, our reputation before the re- relationship. Um, I read a study recently from the Barna Group that said that if a mother's words were to weigh 100 pounds, okay, a father's words weigh 500 pounds. Not because they're more valuable. Not, you know, it has nothing to do, men and women have equal value. The Bible teaches that. But they, they said five times that, that over this study of all of these parents and all of these kids, the Gen Zers, they they said that a parent, if you just had two parents and they both gave instruction for whatever reason, the dad's words weighed five times more than they 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 felt the words five times more from the dad than the mom. Doesn't mean that the mom's word, again, isn't valuable. It just means, guys, God wants us to watch what we say. Our kids hang on our words. You we say, Well, listen, I my kids don't know their dad, or or there's a you know, something happened or whatever. Listen, can I tell you that a parent's words give life or take life? They give honor, they take honor. And so I think it's very important for us to say, hey, our how we show honor in the home is incredibly important. I'll never forget the time we were starting New Life in Camden is a crack shot. He threw a water bottle across the auditorium. No one else was there. Um, we, were, we were closing up everything and there were a few water bottles. Normally at the end of church, there's a few water bottles. In. A water bottle was thrown across the room and he wasn't trying to hit me, but he hit me right in the nose. I don't know if you've ever gotten hit in the nose where your eyes started watering and it was just like, and, and you know, so here I am. I just got done preaching and I have no idea what I preached on, but I got immediately angry. And I, I went over, and I cannot remember what I said, but I knew I, knew, I remember it wounded him. And I'll never forget, man, he, he, he you could just tell that I had, I had ruined that, that moment. What could have been a moment to teach? what could have been a moment where he would look back and have gratitude? Now it's a moment where I look back and I have regret. And so we have to weigh our words with that. In fact. Uh, the smallest moments of kindness are never, are, are never wasted and kindness in the face of cruelty will always be remem- remembered. And so we need to think through our responses when our emotions are high, when we're, when, we're, when we're prone to be angry, ask ourselves, do we want to remember this moment in regret or do we want to remember this moment in gratitude? Here's another action item. Think through what is really happening when you are filled with anger. Okay. On Sunday, I'm going to talk about the fact that anger is not something that happens to you. It is something that lives in you. <laughs> so, so anger is not something that happens. Anger is already there. Your kids just know how to spill it up. In fact, the, the word is long-suffering. It's the most used concept in, in, the, in the scripture. And long-suffering, we're going to talk about this on Sunday, it literally means to be slow to boil. Well, the kids know how to turn up the heat so that it boils over, right? And, and the anger is always there because our sin nature is always there. They just know how to boil over. And so what's really happening when a kid is making us angry? Um, we need to ask, is there something lacking that brought us to this point? And so many times when a, when a child is misbehaving, especially a child five years old and, and under, when a child five years old and under is misbehaving, okay, all of the experts, and I could, I could send you dozens of studies on this because the, the facts are there to support this, that 99% of the time, okay, there's that 1% of the time that has to do with, you know, the, the, the food they eat and all of that. But 99% of the time, the craving that they have is for attention. It's for attention. doesn't matter what their personality is. Again, there's a small percentage in these studies where it's like, yeah, there's the, but 99% of the time, even if it's brought on by a personality or, or tiredness or whatever, it's still the same craving. The craving is attention. In fact, um, Jordan Peterson said that, that some kids would be, uh, w- would be guilty of wanted, no, how did he say it? Uh, some, some kids would rather be wanted for murder than not wanted at all. Sometimes uh, we don't realize how powerful that acceptance is. And so uh, I think it's important to understand um, that, uh, that the, how, we, how we give our love How you know and I I said niceness, okay? It's not that you you know you're always gonna have kitten gloves with with kids. Sometimes it's messy, I I get that. Sometimes you have to discipline and I get that. But the whole point is with humility, ownership, niceness. I want to go to the next one, that is openness. Openness. Now the words of a man's mouth are as deep waters, and the wellspring of wisdom is as a flowing brook. So When we open our mouth, okay, obviously it should be kind, but openness in parenting is the key to a healthier relationship regardless. And the key to openness is connection, okay? But you cannot have connection without communication. I think that this is is really important. Whatever you do, there are other things you can do for connection, okay? To, To create an open heart where they're open to your instruction, where they're open to change. But there's nothing greater than you can do than communication. And communication is not just what we say, it's how we say it. Here's some action items. Think through what you're going to ask your kids and how you're going to ask it. Now, what I do is I have an encrypted note uh, in the notes. If you have an Apple phone and other phones, you, you, you can uh, do this as well. Uh, Evernote has encryption as well. But I have an encrypted note. What I am putting in there in case my, my boys are on my phone all the time. Um, in, in case they, they stumble across it. I have intentional conversations that I want to have with them and I have it pen protected and for me, I'm constantly dumping things in there. This is how I want to say this. This is how I want to vision cast. This is how I want to correct. This is, this is what I want to tell them. This is what I want to say in our home regarding the Bible. The other night, uh, I took one of these verses. Um, in fact, it's, it's a verse that's coming up uh, about how our speech should always be with grace. Okay, That's something we deal with in our home, and, and we had that moment where I were, but, but I didn't just, I didn't just wing it. That was something that I thought through because I want that to be, I mean, how terrible would it be if I spend, you know, 20 hours a week, you know, studying to get up in front of the church, but I never study to get in front of my boys. Like, you know what I mean? How, that just doesn't seem right. And so we need to study to show ourselves approved, but we need to study to to give an answer to our children. Um, Ask questions the way that you know your kids will best understand, uh, not just the way that you want to say it, but the way that you know they will understand it. Use illustrations, all of that. Um, Once they give an answer though, this is is hard. Once they give an answer, don't go into attack mode. If you ask your kid a question and he's given an answer, don't cut him off. Don't cut her off. Let her answer. Let him answer. Even if it's a long, drawn out, oh, this happened, that happened, you know, they're going on the tangent. Oh, I remember this one time. Hold on, hold on. Let's get back. But 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 no attack. I I told you the last time we had this conversation. Whoa, whoa, whoa time on time and time and time, time, time You ask them a question, there has to be that openness. There has to be that, they they need to feel like it's a two-sided conversation, not just a one-sided conversation. So uh, you can either say, talk to me through your actions, or you can say, what would you like to talk about? How can we, how can we establish rapport in this relationship? See, when love meets honesty, it produces graceful authenticity. Now, let me, let me give you a practical thing, and I forget which book I got this out of. But um, there are five fowls, okay, five birds that represent communication. The dove wants peace at any price, but there's no... There's no truth there. You're only just trying to be nice to your kid. You're only trying to seek the peace. You'll never have the tension of saying, I need to tell my two-year-old the truth. And many times the two-year-old needs to hear hear the words, no, (laughs) no. I love you enough to say no, right? So the dove wants peace at any price. The hawk blames others for everything. There's no grace there, you know? His fault, it's her fault, she took it. You know, many kids are so bold, they'll say, It's your fault. <laughs> yeah. uh, the owl says, Let's be reasonable. There's no emotion. Just, they just want to reason. Like, like there's no, no empathy, no emotion. The ostrich says, Ignoring hopes that ignoring conflict will just make it go away. If we just ignore this issue, it'll go away. No, you have to write down, We're going to deal with this. Now, let me tell you something, character issues are always something worth dealing, always something worth talking about, always worth having the battle over, okay? And as parents, we're not just parenting our kids, we're coaching our kids. How terrible would it be for a coach to never go over the basics? How terrible would it be for a coach to never have a caring conversation? How terrible would it be for a coach to say, hey, I noticed you did this, but you should do this. Here's how to do it better. Uh, how terrible would it be for a coach to never give a compliment? How terrible would it be for a coach to never go over the plays? How terrible would it be for a coach to say, hey, there are 1,300 rules and you got to follow all of them? No. A coach knows the plan, shows the plan, and, and, and just involves the team, right? We're a team. And no matter how young your kids are, they need to feel like they're on the same team as you. Now, how do you do that? You're an eagle. An eagle does not provoke, Okay but is willing to fight for its young as well. The, the eagle is always watching. The eagle's a very defensive creature, meaning it builds its house in very high places um, and, and it doesn't just go around attacking. It's not, it's not like a vulture, it's, it's not very aggressive, but it can be if it needs to be. And so we need to have this openness where our kids know, hey, mom and dad, they are pulling for me. Even little kids can know this, how? Through, and this is the final one, through respect. Through respect. Now, respect, as we said, is a little bit different than honor. Uh, it's, it, is, it, is the, it is the pathway to honor, but respect is what is given when honor is earned. We give each other respect when honor is earned. If, if, if you're not living in an honorable way, you, there will be disrespect. But honor, integrity... And trustworthiness is built. And we do this through our words, but also through our actions. Let me show you what it says in Colossians 4 and verse 6. It says, let your speech be always with grace. And then it says this little phrase, seasoned with salt. Seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And I would, I would use this as a parenting verse because the word salt literally means to create thirst or to preserve. And so our speech is to either preserve Okay, that should be the one goal is to preserve or to create thirst, to, to, to make them curious. Um, what's, what's mom talking about? What's dad talking about? Why did they say, instead of pick up the trash, why did they say, well, that's not honoring. We, we, we want to honor, right? And so a disrespectful attitude uh, must be dealt with because disrespect develops when a parent decides to be a friend with the kid rather than to shape the relationship, to shape the character. And so we must choose, hey, what, what are we gonna do? Are we gonna do battle with our children? Or are we gonna build a, a, a life that will la- outlast our parenting, build a life of honor? So we need to give our children these, this guidance in this area. Now, as parents, this is a key thought. What we celebrate, our children will replicate so we need to praise what we want repeated. Praise what you want repeated. This, this works for a one-year-old, you know, Yay! I mean, we do it, but why don't we do that for a five-year-old and a seven-year-old and even a teenager. And so the pattern for reproof needs to be say it once. Okay. Turn your back, walk away and take action. Why? Because if we want to replicate behavior, then we need to let the children know that we are serious. This is not something that we're just saying and then we're not, we're not following up with. We're gonna say it once, we're gonna walk away. Kevin Lehman says, if you say it more than once, you're implying that your, children's, your child is not bright enough to pick it up the first time. And so we use actions, not words, beliefs over behavior. We're talking about that on Sunday. And we're always using positive consequences before negative consequences. If you're only doing negative consequences, What does your kid think about your parenting style? That you're constantly just standing over them, ready, boom, gotcha, whack-a-mole, boom, 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 right? Instead of whack-a-mole parenting, instead of pulling weeds, why don't we grow grass? Why don't we grow the fruit we want? And how do you do that? You say, that's exactly what I want. Here are some of the positive consequences that are listed and posted in our home. Um, If we see behavior, We take hikes, ride bikes, sports nights, day trips, family nights, family movies, uh, climbing, uh, we have, uh, climbing sky high, um, have friends over, all of those things are things that we say, hey, I noticed, I caught you doing something right, here's what I'm, here's what we're gonna do because we caught, because, because you, we caught you being kind to your brother, because you were giving honor, we wanna honor you, and here's what we're gonna do, we're throwing a party tonight. We're, we're going to have fun. Well, why would you do that? Why would you go, because I want that to happen again. And it's amazing what happens when they make their bed. All the Lord, of, of course, you want to do bigger things for bigger, um, you know, moments. Negative consequences, uh, 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 a lack of speaking. Sometimes they'll, they'll sit on what we have in our uh, uh, house called a repenting bench. We have a chair where they sit there and they read and, and they're going to think. That's thinking time. Time without hours. I, we have number of hours without electronics. Um, writing, writing out verses, writing out what they did, writing out how they're going to honor their brother, how they're going to honor their mother, how they're going to speak, what they are going to say, writing sentences. Here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I said wrong. Here's what I'm going to say right. Um, you know, Time without TV, time without friends. We never punish by taking away anything church related because that's a positive reinforcement. Okay. Um, loss of a toy. Uh, when, we, when our kids were real little, um, we would literally, they they would do something. We would go over, put the toy in their hand, walk them over outside, not inside, outside to the trash, open it up. You did this. You said this. Throw it away. They throw it away. They cry. Come back. They do it. You know. And listen, I would rather have zero toys, okay, in my house and have honor, okay, have honor, than uh, than to have all the toys and all of the all of the things without honor. So the problem comes when we expect the bad behavior instead of expecting the good behavior. Um, so when we expect wise choices, we'll get them. And here are five ways to, to develop an expectation for wise choices. I'm going to give you these and then we're almost finished. Five ways. Have them re- read a Proverbs you'd say, or even a verse in Proverbs. Okay? Never do for them what they can do for themselves. And that's, that's something I've, I've made a mistake on. Uh, make your instructions simple, understandable, but don't repeat them. They can come back and ask you, create that, but don't repeat. Don't say, I told you five times I've made that mistake more than I wanna, wanna admit. Expect the best out of them. The boys were were doing yard work and it, it looked terrible. I didn't say, this looks terrible. I said, Chandler, is that your best? No come over. I mean, there were weeds everywhere, you know, come back 15 minutes later. I, I, I've done my best. I've done my best. Come out. And, and so I just went, I said, show me, show me where the weeds are. Okay. And, and, and tell me why it's your best. Explain to me why this is your best. Okay. Cause we want to honor the Lord. We want to honor the Lord with our yard. And we believe that order is better than disorder. And so we walked through that and it was a process. Okay. But uh, praise and encourage their, their character and behavior you don't praise how they look you don't praise what they say you praise what they do so i don't i don't say oh you look so handsome i you're just such a good looking kid or, well he didn't you no know, he can't change that you want to shape them when they do something man you worked hard for that grade i'm proud of you i'm proud of your hard work okay um Have two main rules in your we have two main rules in our home. I would encourage you to have these two. Love God and be respectful. Everything else come everything else falls under that. If you love God and you're respectful, everything else will fall into place. And here's the takeaway: the key to Christ-centered parenting is to earning honor and expecting respect. And if you're looking at this saying, man, how am I supposed to do this? There's a verse in uh, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34. It says, take no thought for the morrow. Tomorrow would take thought for things of itself. Sufficient are the days of the easel thereof. Meaning, you have enough on your plate today. Don't worry about all that you have to do tomorrow. Just say, I'm going to implement one thing today. And then tomorrow, implement one thing and just slowly increase your ability uh, to, to uh, put Christ at the center of your home. And, uh, and to have a home where there's honor. Where you're honoring one another. Love one another. Honor one another but ultimately you're honoring God. So you're doing things not for the sake of doing them, but you're doing them because you wanna bring God honor and you wanna bring honor to each other as well. Did I miss any blanks? Good, okay. Um, I'm gonna hang out uh, after this last session and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be in the auditorium if you guys wanna hang out. Um, if you have any questions about anything, anything practical that I shared, I really tried to give you some principles to hang on to, but also some practical things that you could take away and do as well. Uh, But thank you so much for being here. Uh, Let's pray. and We'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for um, this principle of honor. Lord, may we um, develop houses, um, homes, uh, families that would honor you. And Lord, in honoring you would bring honor to one another. Um, Lord, may we uh, train our kids to develop this integrity and the character of having honor. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.